host, Michelle Prince, founder and CEO of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is Michelle Prince with the Power of Authority Spotlight, and I cannot wait for you to get to know my guest today. She's a former TV anchor, founder of the Women's Leadership Academy, and so much more, doing incredible things to help people to tell their stories. And I want to welcome Joya Das. Welcome to the show. Michelle, thanks for having me. Hello from New York. Hello from New York. Yes, we were just talking about that, that we we both have a love of the city and and all the opportunities there. Um, Tell us, let's kick things off. Talk about what, first of all, brought you to New York City and what do you do there? You know, it's funny. I think if you had told me when I was a little kid that I was going to live in New York City, I would have said, no, that's not possible. Because the only thing that I'd known since I was four years old is that I wanted to be a television news anchor. And my dad, every night at 6.30, would turn on nightly news on NBC with Tom Brokaw, and I would sit by his feet and watch. And I think for him, it was very patently being an American. He's an Indian immigrant, so watching the news was a very American thing to do. And I don't think that he realized that his little girl sitting by his feet every night was really seeing her her future. And um, I think that being raised by immigrants comes with a hefty dose of fear fear of the unknown, fear of security for their children. And so when I told them that I wanted to be a news anchor, it really wasn't something they could get behind financially, and it wasn't something they could get behind emotionally. So I left home at 18, and I paid for college by myself, and I paid for grad school by myself, and I paid for every move around the country to come to New York City and become a news anchor, which is something I had wanted to do since I was four. Now, why did I end up in New York City? New York City is the number one market for television news. It is also the number one market for business news, which is what I did um, for the 20 years that I've been in television. So most stations, if they want someone talking about the markets, they want that backdrop of either the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. And I was very clear um, very early in my career that I was going to do business news because I loved the math and the science and the technology that goes into explaining why your money is important. Wow, that's amazing. And you're right. Yeah, New York is, if, if, <laughs> that is the place to be. So that that says, that speaks volumes that you had the opportunity that you were on network there in the city and uh, reporting. What was your major in college? Was it a journalism major? I was undergrad. I went to a liberal arts school. It was my parents choosing uh, initially, and then I ended up paying for it. So it was just me really college was about stretching my boundaries and learning my limitations. It was less about the education. For technicality, I was a psychology and English major because you had to declare a major, but I knew that I didn't know anybody in journalism, so I was going to have to throw money at the problem, and that was when I enrolled in a broadcast journalism program at Boston University because I was going to get there and then network the heck out of the situation so that I could, in fact, land my first job, and it landed me my first job, my second job, my third job, and my fourth job because of the connections that I had made there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's not an easy career to get into. So that's why I'm always fascinated. I had my roommate in college actually was, uh, her ambition was to also be a a news anchor and, and, um, she actually did not make it. So that again, says so much about you. 
So that was the, you know, the, the history of what you did. Now you're doing amazing things to help people to, to really to stand out and share their story and, and speak, you know, with authority and all that. Talk a little bit more about what you do, the Leadership Academy and my business today was truly born out of a personal pain point. As I said, I was on my own at a very young age at 18, trying to figure out how to pay for everything and how to forge this big dream that I had. And that forces you to get scrappy really quickly. Um, I learned that I had to survive. I learned that I had to build the network that was going to get me here. And no one teaches you that. Double that for girls. And even when you do learn kind of the best practices around networking, where do you go to work out your mistakes? So at the 10-year mark of my career, I decided that I was going to create the space for that conversation to happen. Another important detail, and this goes back again to me being an, born to Indian parents, girls are raised, at least my generation, to be married off like chattel. Mm -hmm. And so there is no space for us to have conversations about becoming CEO, becoming COO, becoming managing director, senior counsel, or in my case, a news anchor. So I also wanted, I was very committed to creating this space so all of those conversations could happen. And that was in 2012 that I started hosting my first events. It was truly an experiment. I did not expect this to become the bigger brand, far eclipsing anything I'd ever done on TV and really having the impact in the way that I don't think that TV ever had, because I couldn't reach across the screen and train somebody how to get a job, then get a job and then feel that, that validation that I did something today, like my work had purpose. Mm -hmm. So to me, I, today my business is a leadership platform, but what I'm really teaching is best practices around networking. What is that network that you need to build to be successful? But then also, what are the best practices in business? For example, this morning, I did a peer mentoring call with my members. And one of the big questions was, I'm going on vacation with my fiance. How do I make sure that my boss of all people doesn't drop the ball on this very important client matter? And everybody weighed in on what they have done traditionally so that they could leave with peace of mind, go on vacation and still feel, still feel like their client was well-managed. So those conversations are what I'm really deeply committed to having right now and crowdsourcing that from the community that I've built. Wow. Would you say the, the women that are in this community, are they, are they in corporate America? Are they business owners? Or is it a combination of the two? It's a combination of the two. I would say that I've got maybe 60% entrepreneurs, 40% corporate women, but everybody still talks about the same things. Time management, productivity, and self-care. And how in the world do I manage with children at home, you know, which has been really the conversation in the last two years, but it doesn't really matter. Everyone ends up having kind of the same problems. Mm, that is so true. But I love a community. I'm big on community too, that, we, you know, we, we're all going through the same thing, but yet we're all so isolated, especially post COVID that, you know, to have a community to just know that one, you're not alone, but two, you know, you don't have to go it alone and you can actually get ideas and suggestions, motivation you know, just by being a part of something like that. Right. And all of the women are very senior. Like none of this is somebody's first rodeo. Everybody is in a senior to mid-level director job. So they have, they have seen teams, they have had been the boss. And so they're really speaking from a level of experience. Do you have an example or, or a favorite story of somebody that has been in the community that, that you've helped them to either rise up or overcome something? 
My favorite story is a gal named Mona who wrote me on Facebook. A lot of people will write me, you know, the first inbound sort of outreach to me is on Facebook. And she told me that she was a compensation analyst at TIA Craft. And she also had a little side business that was an events business. And she really wanted me to learn about this little side business that she had and how could she be involved in my community. The first event that she ever showed up to, and mind you, I had a hundred people in the room. She walked in and she's like, she didn't even know what to do. She didn't even know what to say. She's like, what do I do now? And so I really just walked her around, did the whole like Jerry Maguire walk around the room and introduced her to people so that she could at least feel comfortable, A, and B, start to develop that skill, which is how to network. Mm. Well, many, many years later, she has bought a restaurant. So she used to host events in other people's venue. Now she has bought a venue. She's got 40 people that report into her, her own event planner. And so I'm so proud of the person that she's become. But she will tell you, if she was sitting in front of you, is that she never thought that what she had up here mattered that she brought value to the table. And I think over the course of coming to event after event after event, and the way I structure my events is that you're always gonna be called upon to speak and you're always gonna be called upon to contribute. She realized that she actually did have something of value to contribute and she got immediate validation from the people around her. And that gave her the confidence to be like, I can go buy a venue and I'm gonna be the person in charge. Wow. Yeah, it's just that, you know, we all need people. Sometimes other people can see things in you before you can see it or are willing to see it in yourself. Yeah. Um, that is a great story. Wow, very empowering. And, and that's really, I, you know, I, I'm a part of uh, many women's groups as well. And, and in fact, we just did a book project for a group of women that it's all about helping women to support women, helping women to thrive. And it's kind of based on that, that saying, you know, rising tides raise all ships. Yeah. And as women, we need to be, you know, locking arms and helping each other and, and encouraging each other, not competing with each other. Um, I'll tell you, though, I'm very clinical about the kind of person I invite into my community because I've been doing this now 10 years. I'm very clear on the kind of person that needs to be in the room. And the number one criteria is that they have to be a good listener. I'm convinced I live in New York. Nobody listens anymore. And if people are just there in the room to suck oxygen and talk and not listen listening to thoughtfully respond, not listen to respond. That is like a, a huge criteria for me. And the second is that you're coming with an ethos of giving as much as you are to take. You've come with a well of resources that you are willing to share. Some people aren't willing to share. And that you also believe in the power of networking. Like there's value in this exercise. And then I think the third thing is that they have to believe that the personal development ranks very high on their list of things. There are so many women that I meet that personal development and their leadership is not something that they put high up on the list. So I could talk to them blue in the face, but they aren't necessarily an ideal client for what it is that I'm creating. Yes, absolutely. I totally get that. <laughs> I'm a big, you know, personally, professionally, you have to develop yourself ongoing. Yeah. So the show is called The Power of Authority Spotlight. And, and, and the intention is to get a spotlight on business owners like yourself. But what are you also doing to build your authority? And what I mean by authority is the ability to impact more people. So mm. what, what have you found to work for you in growing your business? Well, as much as I say that my business is my bigger brand, everybody knows me from the 20 years I've been on television and that brand is never going away. So that automatically puts me in an authoritative seat because it's I've been on major networks, not just on you know a local channel. So that makes that that's a huge sort of authority building yes. measure. 
The second thing is that I've given a TED Talk. Um, I was cast in a series with Barbara Corcoran and Jimmy Briggs and the Dean of Barnard to be in a series to do that. So I think that's been another thing that's put me in an authority position. And then for me personally, I'm continually learning. I interview people like yourself and other people in leadership every single week. So that's an opportunity for me to learn. I read a ton and I'm a big consumer of information. So I hope that when I'm sitting in front of a dinner or I'm sitting in front of a brunch or I'm sitting in front of a room, I'm really speaking from a place of being a continual learner, which is what makes me an authority and not necessarily because I'm just a know-it-all and I'm here to suck up oxygen. Right, right. But to your point, you do have that built-in authority by being, you know, on, on networks. But uh, the, the, what I'm hearing is, is you're continuing to leverage media. And, and yes. media is, no matter if you want to be a, a, a newscaster or, or not, you have to get good at media, podcasts, yeah. social, all of those things. That's how our world kind of operates these days. But you know what I think breaks through more than anything else? okay, fine, I might have all these credentials, but if you're meeting me for the first time, you don't know any of, any of those things about me. I make sure that I am as authentic as I possibly can be, and I'm a fantastic storyteller because those things are gonna speak volumes over any of those other sort of bylines and taglines. So anytime I'm writing on, on social media, I always make sure I tell a deep, rich story, and then I talk about my understandings and my takeaways. And I think that whenever I go to market, talking in that particular format is when I get the most amount of engagement. Mm, love that. Okay. So if you were starting out today, again, what advice would you give yourself? Knowing oh gosh, what you I, know now. <laughs> I would have hired the coterie of coaches that I have today much, much sooner. Um, there are people who hold themselves forth as coaches in business, coaches in communications, coaches in branding. And there's no reason to make this process of entrepreneurship any more powerful, any more painful than painful. it needs to be. <laughs> painful or powerful than it needs to be. And so I would have hired all of my coaches earlier. Um, I think that I would have worked on my mindset much earlier. The mindset is, you know, I used to go to a lot of mastermind retreats and wonder, why are we sitting here spending a day and a half talking about mindset? Like, when are we going to talk about Facebook ads? And I realized that if you don't have that foundation in place, you can't build the house on top. That foundation has to be so strong. And I really wish that I had learned that so much earlier. Definitely. It's everything. To your point, though, I agree with the whole mentorship and coaches. That was, uh, that was something I decided on my business to do pretty early on. And it was the best investment. And at the time, it was an investment that I didn't necessarily have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just laying around. But yeah. we, why, why recreate the wheel when somebody's already done what you want to do and they can help shorten that learning curve and, yeah. and help you avoid some pitfalls? It's, it's the best investment to have a coach and a community. But you know that you bring up a great point. Like I have women who, you know, I had a woman write me earlier this week and she was like, you know, I'm a stay at home mom and I want to enter back into the workforce. I want to be in marketing. Like, what do you advise? And I shared, you know, all the different ways that she could work with me and didn't want to make the investment. Mm -hmm. And here's what my response to that more rhetorically than anything else is that when you invest in yourself, other people are going to invest in you. They see that. And I, I don't know how you drive that home for women, because I think that that's such a critical element and foundational piece. Like I started investing myself at the age of 18 because I knew I had a path that I needed to go and I needed to throw money at the problem. And so I, I don't know why that generationally doesn't get handed down in the way some of the other stuff does. 
Mm, that's a very good point too. And, you know, maybe the imposter syndrome, I think everybody has a little bit of that, like, who am I? But, but the truth is, especially those that want to make an impact, people that you're talking to, I'm talking to, you have to step out. You have to, you know, invest in yourself. You have to believe in yourself before anyone else is going to believe in you. And, yeah. and that is why mindset is, that's why you always start with your mindset. You're betting on yourself when you're investing in yourself. And so if you don't believe in you, then you're saying that you don't trust yourself enough to invest and know that you're going to make that money back. Exactly. So if somebody were listening to this, they wanted to get in touch with you. What's the best way to do that? And what also do you have coming up that may be of benefit to them? Yeah, so I um, am very easy to hold, get a hold of on social media. It's just Joya Das, J-O-Y-A-D-A-S-S. I never got a middle name as a child. So it's that across all my social media handles. Um, if you want to email me, it's joy at joyadas.com. And I think the foundational piece, and this has to do, of course, with my training as an anchor, so much about leadership is about good communication. And over the years, more and more women have asked me for public speaking training because all of a sudden they've got a new team or they're lobbying for a promotion or they're the face of their business and they need to be able to tell better stories about their leadership. And I think the misunderstanding is that you go into a public speaking class just for the elocution and the diction, but so much, is, so much of it is about storytelling, compelling storytelling, and being able to organize the content in a compelling way. And that's really what we're gonna work on in um, my public speaking masterclass. I have a cohort that rolls out every six to eight weeks. The next cohort starts on April 13th. And that becomes a safe container for women to be vulnerable and to really workshop for the first time their own personal stories and then be able to figure out how that fits into their leadership. Something that I guarantee most have not done before, but it's transformational in more ways than how you're going to show up in your public speaking. Wow. Yes, definitely. So they can find out more information on joyadas.com, J-O-Y-A-D-A-S-S. Joya, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I so enjoyed it. I could keep talking to you, but we need to wrap it up. But <laughs> I think we could talk all day, you and I. I know. One last thing, what parting advice would you give to a woman um, who is, who's ready to step out to, to, to be their best self and, and really make an impact? You know, when I first started out in TV, somebody had to ordain me worthy to have a voice and be on a news network. Today, you can create so, a body of work just with your phone. So if you want to really be seen as a thought leader and authority, create a body of work, whether it's a podcast like this, whether it's articles on Medium, whether it's on LinkedIn, have something that can show that you are in fact an authority on whatever area it is, whatever your swim lane is. It's very easy to create that. And it's very easy to create a following, but consistency is very key. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for the Power of Authority Spotlight today. Thanks everyone for joining. And remember that you know, when you have an authority, you have the impact, you have the ability to impact more people. So get out there, build your authority and build your power network. Thanks so much. for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. 
If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com. And follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.